Hi, I'm Ryan Becker, and you're listening to the Rock Hill Seventh-day Adventist Church Official Sermon Archive. You can find more information about our church at www.rockhillsdachurch.org. We hope by listening to this message that you are encouraged and challenged in your walk with Christ. Good morning again. Good morning. morning. If you are a native southerner, raise your hand. Not everybody. So how many of you are old enough to have heard somebody say, well, I never. Okay, you under- so at least some of you understand that statement, right? Bless her heart. It, it, it kind of fits in there with, well, bless your heart. Or I swanee. Or I swanee. But well, I never, it's just something that just stuns you. It just stuns you. You're like, how could that possibly be true? So we're going to make that connect to this verse, these verses that Paul wrote while he was in a prison cell. Well, I never, if I was in a prison cell, I don't think I would be feeling too happy. But Paul found joy and peace in his suffering. Do you believe that God is sovereign this morning? Amen. Do you believe that he knows all things? Amen. I believe he does. I believe he knew last week who was going to be here this week. I believe that not a single person in this room is here by accident. You're here this morning, and God has a message he wants you to hear. You notice I'm here. So I'm including myself in that. But not only that, he has a work that he wants to accomplish in your life. In your life, 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 in your life. And I can go through the whole thing. We've got more than 20 people here. I'm not going to do it. But you know one of the complaints that I hear a lot about churches, and, and I'm in a, a position, people know I am a church lady. As a matter of fact, there's one parent at where I work, when they bring their children in, he says, well, go see the church lady. He knows my name, but that's not how he refers to me. I'm the church lady. But one of the complaints I hear about church and churches is that sometimes we seem to be just going through the motions. That we're not real or we're not genuine or we're not truly honest. And I don't know if you hear that or not. I don't know if you've ever heard it. But I think that I'm speaking for everybody when I say we want to be real, we want to be genuine, and we want to be honest. And I know that this church This family here, we want to be real. I've been here long enough to know. We want to be a church that is genuine and honest and loving and serving. And we want to be a people who deal biblically with what comes our way. I've witnessed that, so I can stand on pretty firm ground when I say it. Now, if I'm going to be honest and real and genuine with you this morning, I'm going to try to be. I have to admit that in some ways I'm not a very healthy Christian. Now, wait a minute. I'm not meaning, don't misunderstand me, that I'm so messed up that I shouldn't be standing here in front of you and that you ought to find someplace else to go. Just know that there's still some things that God and I are working on together. And if you're going to be honest with yourself, God's still working on some things in your life. Do you know why churches can get unhealthy? Because they're made up of people who are unhealthy. 
and our families are made up sometimes of people who are unhealthy. And if you ever find a perfect church to go to, don't go there because you're just going to mess it up. Okay? Can we say that and be honest with ourselves? There are no perfect churches because there are no perfect people. But if we serve and worship a creator and a savior who calls us to surrender our lives to him daily so that we may be more like him, more conformed to his image, we're going to be on that road to health. And when we start getting sick, we're going to want to get well really quick. Is that what you want this morning? Is that your true heart's desire to be recreated in the image of Christ? To be cleansed and made whole and to deal honestly with the sin in your life and to allow God, by his grace, nothing that you can do about it, and let the work of the Holy Spirit living within you to change you into a healthy, healthy member of his body? Amen. I hope so. Because I do. And I want to deal with the subject today that every one of us deals with, but sometimes we don't think about it or even think much about it or want to acknowledge it. And that is the sin of resentment. Now, Paul doesn't call it resentment. If you look in verse 31, there's a very close word in Greek to the word for resentment. They're almost interchangeable, not quite. The word is bitterness. Now, the reason that the word bitterness in Greek is slightly different from the word resentment is that bitterness can be put upon you by the outside. Resentment comes from within. That's the only difference in the word. It's the still say the same emotion. Bitterness and resentment, they kind of go hand in hand. Now, I suppose you can divide resentment into two types. They're petty resentments. I resent having to drive I-77 on my way to work every day and back. I wish there were another way to go, and I complain almost the whole time I am on the road. And those of you who travel I-77 on a regular basis know exactly what I'm talking about. And I resent it. I wish, and I will say almost every day, I wish there were another road I could go on. 115 is not any better because it's a two-lane pig path. And it goes right through the heart of Huntersville with 87 million traffic lights and 62,000 schools and 2,937,000 people who don't know where the crosswalks are. And I resent that. I resent my cat for stealing cheats at night. I'll wake up and I'll feel chill on my shoulder and my cat has made a little bed out of the sheet and sleeping next to me, but my shoulder is exposed and I'm cold and I resent that. If you can't be comfortable in your own bed, where can you be comfortable? Silly cat. Those are petty resentments. And what God kind of chuckles. God just chuckles at them. And then there's another kind. The resentments that affect your heart. I know all about resentment. I resented how people denied me a chance to sing on the Metropolitan Opera stage. I carried that bitterness with me for years until God finally worked it out, I think. I've resented how I didn't get opportunities that others have to put them in better position. 
I have resented the group of members that cut my ministry in a short, short in a church that I loved very, very much, just out of sheer jealousy and spite. I have resented so-called friends who will only talk to me if I have something to offer them. I have resented having so little to my name after having worked so hard for so many years. I've resented God for having ruptured disc in my back since I was 30. And he still is dealing with me with that. I can keep going. You might think some of these are petty, but they're real. They're very real. I resent, not, I resent having wide feet, not being able to wear contacts instead of glasses, so forth and so on. And now don't look at me like I'm on crack or something. You do it too. Be honest and genuine with yourself this morning. You do it too. The question is, what is it and why is it that you resent? And how do you deal with resentment in your life? Do you resent your parents for being too strict or for treating a sibling better than they treated you? Do you resent your boss for giving promotion to somebody else? Do you resent your family because you work and work and work and they don't really seem to care or appreciate you? There are pastors who resent their churches for not following what they want them to do. There's the widow that resents her dead husband because he died. The widower resents not having his wife around. Do you resent others who have more money, a better life, more power, better jobs? Do you resent your body? You can't lose weight. You're not as muscular as you wanted to be. You're too short. You're too tall. Your hair, your freckles, and OMG, that face. Oh, wow. What is it you resent? Have I missed anybody in here? Now, you might be that blessed person who never resents anything. If so, please come home and have lunch with me today and tell me about it. Because I would love to sit at your feet and have you tell me how not to have resentment. And if that is you here today, please pray for those of us who do have resentment. I need the prayers of a righteous person to intercede with my God with me. I want to ask you to do something if you are dealing with resentments, and I'm not asking you to do it here. In the privacy of your own home, would you get out a piece of paper and something to write with and make a list? And be absolutely brutally honest with yourself before God about what you resent. I have made this a habit in my life for the last, about the last 20, 25 years. And I write it down about once a week, and I go to God and I say, God, please help me deal with these resentments. Please help me not to let this show in my life and reflect in your witness in any way. Now, if you've been honest before God and with yourself, you know that resentment sneaks in so that you just don't, sometimes you don't realize it's there. The good news is we're not alone. Resentment's been around as long as there's been sin. Adam told God, it wasn't my fault that I ate something. That woman you gave me, it was her fault. You gave her to me, and she made me do it. Do you think Adam might have resented Eve just a little bit? 
Cain and Abel, first murder, resentment. Because God acknowledged one and not the other. Jonah. Everybody here know the story of Jonah? I am not going over to Nineveh because those people deserve whatever they get. And the fact that you want me to go is wrong, God. And I'm not going to do it. I'm going to sit here and hold my breath till I turn blue. And God stuck him in a whale for three days. I don't want God sticking me in a whale. Absalom, David's son, and Ammon. David, father and his son Absalom, resented each other. Tried to kill each other. The prodigal son and his brother, instead of welcoming home, what does he say to that? Dad, how dare you let him back in here? I have been here doing what you wanted me to do, and you're throwing a I wish I could have seen his face. I bet he turned purple. What about Daniel? What about Joseph's brothers? Ooh. Sell him into slavery? First of all, they threw him down a well so he'd starve to death. And then they said, well, wait a minute, let's get a little money out of this deal. Sold him into slavery? Did Joseph exhibit resentment when he finally does meet them again? How on earth did he do that? And unless you think I'm just talking about Old Testament folks, what about Peter, James, and John? The three closest members to Christ. John, the disciple that he loved. His bestest buddy. Can I sit on your right hand when you, when you come into your glory? Can I be right there next to you, sir? Not the rest of these guys that have been through the same thing that we're being through. But I want I want to be close enough for you to put your arm around me. And their mother, they get their mother involved in it because he didn't give them a satisfactory answer. Mom, he likes Peter as much as he likes us. Can you go talk to him? How many of you have ever enlisted your mother to advocate for you? I have when I was little. I would tell my teachers at school, my mom's a teacher. She knows different. And I would tell my mom and ask my mom to go intercede with my teacher. Because you're a teacher, right? You ever called mommy? Don't you wish now that you could call your mom and have her intercede for you? I do. And what about Peter? Right before the ascension, they're walking on the beach. Jesus sees this bitterness and this resentment in Peter's. He watches the rest of the disciples having breakfast there on the beach. Said, Peter, walk with me. Come on, let's go for a walk. Come on. What's wrong, Peter? What's going to happen to me and James and John? Because you're leaving us and we don't know what to do. Are, is, is, is John going to have a better. Peter? Do you love me? You know I love you, Lord. Then what? It doesn't matter what happens to James or John. Or Nathaniel, Bartholomew. Or it doesn't matter. Do you love me, Peter? Let that resentment go. How many times? Three times. And the last time I think, I don't know this. 
I'm a theater teacher. I think he turned around, put his hands on his hips, and said, Peter, listen to me. He leaned forward. The neck. How many of you have ever seen your parent do the neck? Everybody's giggling. You know the neck. Well, I never. Peter, do you love me, Peter? And I bet Peter took a step back. And his heart broke. He said, you know that. He couldn't even talk. You know I love you. You know I love you, Jesus. <clears throat> then follow me. Just follow me. Let me take care of them by myself. Don't worry about them, Peter. Let that bitterness, let that resentment go. It doesn't matter what happens to them. You walk with me. And it'll be okay. I promise you that. As I read through scripture, I discover that there are two realities that I have to face about being resentful. Resentment is a sin, and it needs to be eliminated from my life. Well, that's an easy statement, isn't it, period? We're done with the sermon. It's not that easy. Because I'm living in a shell of flesh. And the mind that I was born with is still sitting inside my skull. With all the memories, with all the emotions, with all the information that I grew up with. And I can't just erase it. Now, anger is not always a sin. You know that, right? It's okay to be angry. What did Jesus say? Be angry, but sin not. You can be angry about something. But when we refuse to let something go, and if I let it stew in my heart, and it stays there, and it paralyzes me, and it causes me to stumble, and I refuse to love or forgive, then it becomes a sin. Show me in the Bible, one person said to me, because I've talked about this before in other settings. said, show me in the Bible where it says resentment's a sin. I said, well, it doesn't actually say that. It also it doesn't say that you shouldn't check your email and Facebook while you're in church. doesn't say that either. Is that the proper thing to do? I'm just asking. Putting it in today's terms. I've sat in churches, not this one, thank heaven. I've sat in churches, people in the same pew as me. You hear the little vibration? While the preacher is talking about God's love and God's grace. Is that a sin? I don't know, but it was put in front of me to see if I was going to sin by resenting it. What does God say through the voice of Paul the Apostle there? Verse 32. Be kind to one another. Tenderhearted. Forgiving one another. How am I supposed to forgive? Even as God in Christ forgave you. Oops. There goes that stumbling. In another place, Paul, 
said in Romans, if you want to look it up, it's 12.21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Don't let it stew in your heart. Acknowledge it. Deal with it. Move on. If you stay where you are, it's just going to destroy you and your walk with him. We've got to give up the mentality that we are victims. We are not victims. We are conquerors. Amen. We make, it's a choice that we can make in the power and the leading of the Holy Spirit. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, listen to these words. Finally, church, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on these things. Paul was writing that from a cold, wet, nasty jail cell where he was in prison for doing what God had told him to do. If anybody should have had resentment, it would have been Paul. Verse 4 in that chapter says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Rejoice. Way, way back, Joseph, one of the first forgivenesses of resentment. Joseph said to his brothers when he finally met them again after decades, don't be distressed or angry with yourself because you sold me here. For God sent me here before you to preserve your life. It was not you who sent me here. It was God. God will make a way through everything if we will let him and look for what it is that he wants us to learn from a situation. Think how much time and energy you spend resenting things. Oh my goodness, if I could just have those hours back. If I could just have that time back that I spent being angry and resentful toward people who have supposedly hurt me in my life. I would love to have those hours back. And I would love to be able to tell some of them, I am so sorry that I spent all this time resenting you. Will you forgive me for sinning, choosing to sin, based on your actions. That's hard. That's not easy. I'm not telling you it's easy. It's hard. But we have to put Christ first and, and look forward. Resentment is not going to do you one second of good. It's not healthy. It's not productive. It distorts your perspective. You're acting in a way that's going to be self-defeating. It's offensive to God. You have to learn to let it go. And to have that forgiving spirit. You need to forgive the person that said the wrong thing to you. You need to forgive, ladies, you need to forgive your husband for whatever it was he did yesterday. Husbands, you have to forgive your wife for whatever it was she did yesterday. 
If you're angry at someone who has already passed, forgive them for leaving you lonely. You resent your boss, you need to forgive him. That church member you resent right now, you need to forgive that church member. If you're angry at God, and this is the hardest one of all, to tell him you're angry at him. And you need to go on your knees and say, I am so sorry, Daddy. I'm so sorry. You need to let it go and quit trying to hold God hostage because he's much too big for you to hold him hostage. He's going to keep loving you no matter what. No matter how much you resent him, he still died for you. And if you had been the only person on the face of this earth alive when Christ had to go to Calvary, he still would have done it. I believe with every fiber in my being that God has great plans for this church. I wouldn't be here if I didn't. I think that we need to be open and honest with ourselves. Paul wrote in Colossians about the kind of church I want us to be. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, Rebecca, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Even as the Lord has forgiven you, you must forgive. It is not negotiable. Guess what? In case you didn't know it, big moment here. I'm getting ready to say something, and you're going to go, well, I never. God doesn't negotiate. God will not negotiate with you. He says, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive if you feel like it doesn't say that. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive unless money is involved. It doesn't say that. As the it doesn't say that. It says, as God has forgiven you, you have to forgive others. Oops. Above all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Kenny bought me serious, a subscription serious radio for Christmas because I spend so much time in my car and I really don't like a lot of the local stations. There is a 60s radio station, guys. If you didn't know it, it's worth subscribing to Sirius for the 60s channel. And guess what I hear at least once a day? It used to be the Coca-Cola commercial. I'd like to keep the world the same in perfect harmony with apple trees.
trees and honey. Yeah, you remember the song? Right. Oh, yeah. I hear that song almost every day, at least once. Put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your heart to which you were called in one body. And then he puts a little tiny phrase at the end that we tend to forget about. A lot of preachers, when they preach on this, stop right there. Indeed, you were called in one body. But there are three more words. And be thankful. Be thankful that you have this body that is united together in love and harmony and caring and compassion and patience and tenderness and forgiveness. Wow. Don't you want to be a part of a church like that and a body like that? I dream of, of families. I see so much pain in the families of the children that I work with. I dream of families that look like that, and I dream of churches that look like that. And I dream about what God could do if we would just let go of our resentments and really loved each other and treated each other with grace and compassion and kindnesses. And of what marriages could be without little resentments. And you're thinking to yourself right now, I just can't do that. I can't do it. I cannot do that. I can't forgive that person. They don't feel sorry for what they did. They need to pay for what they did. They need to apologize to me first. Can I tell you something? Straight from my heart. I am so glad that Jesus didn't have that thought process. I'm so glad he didn't say, well, Rebecca hurt me. She sinned. She went against what I wanted. So I'm not going to die for her today. I'm thankful that he did not resent going to the cross for sinful people who really didn't deserve what he did. We are sorry and pathetic individuals and we wallow in the sins that he died to set us free from. And I'm ashamed of myself. We spit on his grace and we refuse his forgiveness and every day countless people go to hell because they can't accept what Jesus did for them. And he could have resented us for that. But the Bible says, God so loved the world. God extended his love to us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. How can we reject such love? And if anybody should say, well, I never, it should be Jesus. Do they not know what I did for them? But he doesn't. He never says that. He says, I love you. And I want to be close to you. I want to live inside of you and be your bestest friend, your BFF, your big brother. So today, my challenge to you is to find those hidden resentments to figure out what it is that you're holding on to. 
to and trying to make hostage to your happiness. Because your resentment doesn't hurt the other person, it hurts you.